0: Everyone and welcome to the program where we take a shower every single day. Why do I mention that? Well, because you may have figured out by now that celebrities are the weirdest people in the world. Everyone from Jake Gillian, who said more and more, I find bathing to be less necessary to Matthew McConaughey, Cameron Diaz, Ashton Kusher and Mila Kunis. And they've all said, wait till you see the dirt. Don't shower every day. Nope, nope, nope. We're going to wash our butt every day here on this show. We're going to shower, people. Today on the program, we're in the middle of a deep dive on the big eight, the eight key areas I review and work on to help my business advisory clients to get their businesses unstuck and rolling again. We've already covered strategy, structure, talent, and execution. And so today we're going to dive into two more, culture and climate You've heard a lot about culture, perhaps not as much about climate, but regardless of what you know, stay here and learn more as I teach you all about both of them and going to enhance your knowledge with today's show. Today's program is sponsored by University Subaru. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. There's nothing quite like the
1: love of a good dog Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com.
0: Welcome back to the program, I'm Tony Richards. And what do we mean when we talk about culture? Well, my definition is probably a little bit different than other people's, and there's a reason for it. My definition of culture is it's the vision and values-driven ideal environment of how people are expected to work together to achieve the organization's goals. Let me say that one more time. It's the vision and values-driven ideal environment of how people are expected to work together to achieve the organization's goals. So it's not just whatever goes, goes. Culture is supposed to line up with your vision for the company, the purpose of the company, the mission of the company, whatever you want to say there, and also the core values-driven environment of how people are expected to work together to achieve the organization's goals. I was having lunch with someone the other day And we're discussing another company and talking back and forth about it. And they were talking about this company and they said, I wonder if they have a culture. And this is what I told them. Every place has a culture. It may not be formally designed or defined, but the culture does exist. And it works so much better if you design it and you define it and you do the culture on purpose. But sometimes the culture is just a hodgepodge thrown together mess over several years homes restaurants churches cities even when you get on an elevator if there's more than two people on the elevator ride a culture's there now culture is a little bit like trying to nail jelly to the wall when you're trying to explain it so here on the program today i'm going to try to do my best to explain how you design and how you think about culture It's not about the product or the service you're providing. That's all goes in your strategy and execution. It's not any one thing. It's about a whole bunch of things, and it revolves mainly around people and how they work together. If you were a restaurant employee and you started out at restaurant number one and you left restaurant number one and you changed your job over to restaurant number two, you would experience two different cultures because you worked in two different places. Homes are the same way. If you just think back, just take, let's take a little time trip in your mind here. And if you could think back to when you were growing up at home with your parents, maybe with brothers, maybe with sisters, maybe with both, what were some of the rules that were in place in the home when you were growing up? Your parents were your first leaders, and they were the avatars for you to view as examples of behavior they wanted you to follow. So what were some of the rules? I'll take you back to the house that I grew up in with my mom and dad, which was a little bit different because my brother didn't come along. I was an only child for the first 13 years of my life. And then my little brother came along when I was 13. So there's a large gap between us. And when he was around five, I was leaving. And then he grew up from five until around 18, till he left the house. The culture changed quite a bit. I can tell you this, the culture changed because my parents were in their 20s when I was growing up in the house and they were in their 30s when my brother was growing up. And it made a huge difference just in what their expectations were, just in how they handled themselves, just in how they handled the family. So there are variables in this scenario too, but just a few rules when I was growing up that I don't think changed that much between when I was there, when we were there together and then my brother was there alone. Number one, we always ate together. I can still remember breakfast was at 6.30, lunch was at 11.30 and dinner was at five and you didn't miss it. Everyone attended the meals, no exception. You had to get special permission to miss the meal. And you were not late. Dinner was on the table. You're supposed to be sitting there washed and ready to go without a hat, too, by the way. You always asked permission to be excused from the table when the meal was over. And you took your plate to the sink, and you washed it, and you put it in the dishwasher. No exceptions. On school nights, bedtime was at 10.00 midnight on the weekend. And when I was old enough to drive a car, same times applied as to when to be home. I had to be home by 10. I didn't have to go to bed at 10 during the week necessarily. But when I was out in my car, I had to be home by 10. And then on the weekends, I didn't have to go to bed at midnight, but I had to be home by midnight. And more often than not, because I had a job that started at seven o'clock the next morning in the summertime, I was in bed at midnight because I wasn't going to get a whole lot of sleep between midnight and six because breakfast was at 630 and you didn't miss it. I remember when I was a small boy, the show Bonanza was really, really popular, you know, with the Cartwrights on the Ponderosa and it came on at eight when I was in grade school. The first few years, eight o'clock was my bedtime. I had to have my homework done and be in bed by eight o'clock and I didn't get to watch Bonanza. You know, I think that might have scarred me. I'm still bringing it up today. As far as etiquette with the leaders or etiquette with the parents, there was no talking back. And you were polite. You used manners. You said, yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. And you asked permission to do things, but you did not talk back. Now, my mom, she would threaten you. <laughs> if you talk back to her, she'd threaten you. But now my dad, he was all action. So you didn't talk back to him. He's a strong, silent cowboy type. He wouldn't say a word to you. He'd just do. So you definitely didn't talk back to him. But those were just some of the things I remember. I remember there was no TV until your homework was done. Just some of the rules that were in place that you were expected to follow because you lived and functioned in the house. And that was the culture at our house. And that was the culture I grew up in with my parents leading the way and bringing me up. And that's a lot of what a culture is like when you're thinking about it for a business or an organization is, what do you want the ideal environment to be that is aligned with your vision for your company and with the values that you have? Many times, these types of things are expressed as guidelines and you have a little leeway here and there, but you don't get too far away from them, right? It's usually made up of both things that we call tangibles and intangibles. Let me give you some tangible things that you plan for in the culture. How people dress at work, and some people call this a dress code, but you have to be very clear and very plain and easily explained what the dress code is and how you want people to dress, how customers are treated. Remember in my home growing up, we used a very strong etiquette. So is that part of how you treat customers or are you a little less formal with them? How coworkers are treated by management and how they are treated by each other. And again, you use your core values And that's why I don't like one word core values. I like to use a word perhaps, but then I'd like a short sentence explaining how to do that core value, because that's what they're there for is to teach behavior to people about what is acceptable and expected in the culture. People have to know how to do it, how ideas are shared and how they are discussed or how they are rejected or killed. That needs to be outlined very clearly. This is how we do ideas around here. Here's the process for getting them to a place where they can be accepted or rejected. How offices are arranged and who gets one, that needs to be decided on. And unfortunately, and I'll talk about this a little bit when we get to climate, unfortunately, a lot of times these decisions are made on the fly And in the middle of a whole bunch of other stuff and it just gets thrown together. And that message, see, when you give someone an office, depending upon what floor it's on, when you give somebody an office, you have just communicated their status to other people that they warrant an office. And there is a certain amount of power that comes with getting an office and so you've got to be thoughtful and careful about how you go about doing that. Here are some intangibles as far as designing your culture. How do people feel valued? In other words, what happens in the culture that values people so that they walk away going, Yes, this is why I work here. What behaviors do you reward and what behaviors get consequences? Because remember, what you reward will be repeated and what you have consequences for will be avoided. And that's a very important part of thinking about what you want the culture to be. How does someone get heard in the organization? Sometimes leaders are surprised that people walk into their office and maybe they're a higher level person. And this person works about three levels down and has three managers between them and the person who's just walked into their office. Something's wrong with the three step managers below you. Something's gone wrong in that process for them to approach you. They're in there because they have no other option on how to get heard. So they just went on to the top. And there's some behavior styles that doesn't mind doing that. They don't think there's anything wrong with that. They are going to get heard today. Where does power reside in the organization? Who has power and why do they have it? So in short, your culture is your designed plan for how you want people to be treated, how customers are treated, how management functions, and what the daily workplace environment should be. Capital should there what the workplace environment on a daily basis should be. That is culture. It is a very definitive plan for putting together how it's going to be working at this place. So that's culture. Stand by. In the next segment, I'm going to take you to climate, which has a very close relationship to culture. And I'll explain all that right after this on Better Than Before. There's
1: nothing quite like the love of a good dog. receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday morning coaching memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday morning coaching memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com.
0: Welcome back to Better Than Before. I'm Tony Richards. We're going through the big eight key areas. That I work with my business advisory clients on as far as how to get their company unstuck or how to get their company launched, how to scale their company, how to work on these things to make their organization function like it's supposed to. Very often my clients will hear when we're experiencing a dysfunction in any of these eight areas, I will say the machine is broken. And the machine is broken when things inside any of these eight key areas have gone amiss, gone astray, have run off the track, or is in eight feet of mud. So now we're to number six key area, which is climate. So culture is the designed plan for how you want the daily workplace reality to be the way it should be. Climate is the daily workplace reality of the ideal culture. In other words, culture is what we want. Climate is what is. And there's an overall climate throughout the organization. It can vary depending on the company size. If it's a big company, it could vary from one division to another. In a smaller company, it could vary from department to department. So how do we learn about climate? Well, we can do surveys which is key because it's through getting feedback from people that we learn about the climate. All I have to do is walk into an organization, sit down and strike up a conversation with a couple of people and start asking questions. I'll share with you two of my favorite questions to ask people in the workplace environment, just sitting around, maybe in the break room or having lunch together. I will ask one What around here takes way longer than it should? And number two, what frustrates you the most around here? What takes longer than it should? And what really frustrates you around here? See, when many leaders get frustrated as to why their strategies and plans are not being executed, it's usually because of the climate of the organization. And I'll give you a metaphor for this in the negative sense. If you got sick, you had a kidney problem and your kidney quit working, you need a kidney transplant, right? Unfortunately, your whole body has gotten toxic because the kidney wasn't filtering out the poison and displacing it through your urine like it's supposed to. So all that toxicity is built up in your body. So when they put the new kidney in, what'd the body do? It rejected it because the whole body's toxic and now you're putting a clean organ in You got to clean up all that infection and get the body into a non toxic clean state to put the clean new organ in. And what happens is, if your climate is toxic in your organization and you put a brand new plan in, it's going to reject that plan because it doesn't fit with the overall climate of the organization. So you got to think through this. I think this might be the hardest work management ever does because. If your climate is close to the ideal culture that you want, it will reject, just like your body rejects sickness and disease and poison when it's healthy. When your climate is healthy and close to the ideal culture, then it's going to reject all the negative people. It's going to reject all the negative talk, all the negative things that you do not want in the organization. It's going to kick it out. Now, the hardest work management does is because when the pressure gets on, when the pressure arises or when the stress is present, management tends to let down a little. Well, we'll just let that slide this time. Well, I know we said we were going to do that, but we're busy and there's a lot of things going on, so let's just go ahead and bypass that for now. Well, that has an effect on the climate when you overload your people or when systems and processes are short-circuited by people, or if they don't work at all, maybe there's a trust problem, it will shut down the system, it'll shut down the process, or maybe somebody decides to go around somebody and do things their own way or whatever. All of that has an effect on your climate, the way people feel about the daily workplace reality. If you went around and did interviews with your people and they had total immunity from any kind of backlash, Every person in your organization knows who is doing their job and who isn't. I promise you, every person in your organization knows who shows up early. They know who stays late. They know who's late in the morning and who consistently leaves the building early. question is, who are you rewarding? Because some of those people are getting rewarded, and everyone else knows that they're slackers. When you send out a communication, Everyone in the organization knows who will take it seriously and who will do their best to make it happen. And they also know every person who will shrug it off and regard themselves exempt. Well, that's for everybody else, but not me. I'm one of the big performers around here. I'm bringing in the sales. I don't have to do that. Everybody knows who those people are. And it's not just sales. It's everybody in every part of the company. Everyone knows it. Now, whether or not they tell you, That's another story. Like I said, if they have total immunity and there's no backlash on them, maybe they will. But I guarantee you they know the answers. So the thing you have to keep in mind is culture is how you envision and plan on people being treated and how you want them to feel, how you want them to work together. Climate is how they're actually treated, how they actually feel. Some people call this engagement, how engaged are people, but Just as part of the current actual work environment, I use climate for that. So let's go back to those tangibles and intangibles again, only this time I want you to think about how these would actually be executed in the daily workplace environment of your organization. So here they come again. Here are the tangibles. How people dress at work. Can people just do what they want or do you have a standard in place that they can't violate? How customers are treated. Do you have any idea how customers are treated? Have you ever called your customer's help desk or have you ever just walked by sometime when a customer is being talked to? Sometimes you might be very shocked and amazed. Sometimes you might be really proud. How coworkers are treated by management, how they treat each other. Now, here's kind of a weird thing when you sit down and logically think about it. Some people will treat customers like gold and each other like crap. They really will. They would treat their coworker terribly and jump on the phone and treat a customer like a king. And it should be the same. They should treat their coworker the same way they would a customer. How ideas are shared, how they are discussed, and how they are dismissed, how offices are arranged, and who has an office. Think about how that's actually executed in your company, how you come to those decisions what that signals to everyone else when it's done. Let's go back through the intangibles. How do people feel valued? Do they feel valued? And what happens to make them feel valued? And please, please don't do employee of the month. I'll take another program and explain why that is exactly the wrong thing to do. What behaviors you reward and what behavior gets punished. What you reward gets repeated and what you punish gets deferred. How does someone get heard in the organization? Where does power reside in the organization? Who has power? There are some people who are not managers and have no title whatsoever in your organization that have a lot of power. And you need to find out who that is. And you need to find out why that is. Not that they're in trouble. It's just people respect them for one reason or another. And they need to be on your side. They need to be on the company side. If they're not, they're leading a charge they may not even know they are. They're leading an anti-your-company charge because they are having a big effect on people, and people is where you get the climate. In the end, the final analysis is how much distance is there between what you want your culture to be and what is actually taking place in the daily workplace environment? And so there are gaps there. And we could have a bunch more tangibles and a bunch more intangibles in the cultural design and in the cultural reality. And there's gaps between those and what is actually taking place. And one clue for you, that's going to tell you a little bit of how this is. And I don't want to scare you off from addressing it because you really need to address it. If you want your company to perform better and you don't want the machine to be broken but the longer the gap has been there between what you thought or what you expected and what is actually happening, the harder it's going to be for you and your team to close it. So well, that's our show today. Better than before is sponsored by university, Subaru, university, Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. You can follow me on Twitter at Tony Richards Four, and I also want to give special thanks as always to our producer, Tessa Hall, And until we visit again next week on Better Than Before, I'm Tony Richards, and I want to remind you that everything gets better when you get better.
1: Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards.